good to be back. Uh, we've enjoyed our time away, and uh, since I haven't preached in two weeks, I would uh, invite you to buckle up. Could be here a while. Just kidding. Wouldn't do that. I think Carter, uh, the first Sunday he preached, he said that uh, he was not Jeff because he has more hair and more shirt. Well, true. I have less hair and less shirt than Carter, so uh, it is true. So, uh, hey, it is good to be with you. We've enjoyed our time away. Uh, the fun thing we got to do the first Sunday was we got to sit from our house, which is very close, and watch everybody arrive at the church at 1045. We never see that. Never see that. And it's beautiful to sit and watch and see the church gather. And we obviously know where we need more crushed asphalt to the north because we have some faithful people parking in the fields. So uh, we'll take care of that for you for sure. But uh, today I'm wrapping up the fruit of the Spirit. We started that series uh, several months ago. We looked at Galatians chapter 5. We looked at the fruit of the Spirit. And there are nine fruits of the Spirit And basically, there's nine manifestations of one spirit, okay? And so we looked at all nine, okay, or we looked at all eight. The ninth one is today, and I know it's tough when your pastor comes back from sabbatical, and his subject today is self-control, okay? So sorry about that, but we're going to jump into self-control. And here's what I want to do today. All I'm doing today is I'm going to show you just a ton of scripture that talk about self-control. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit kind of speak through that. Okay? not going to stand up here and nitpick little areas of life because I think it's wrong to do that. Okay? But, but we all have areas of our life in the area of self-control that we need God in. Okay? And so today, that's what I want to do. I want to look at Scripture and just unpack that. Self-control... Um, is a big word because when you look at self-control, it bleeds into all areas of our lives. And so when we are spirit-filled believers walking in step with the Spirit of God, it is no longer self-control, I believe. It is spirit control. And see, we're called to be spirit-controlled as believers, not self-control. I don't want to be self-controlled. When, I'm, when I have self-control, that means I have Jeff-control. It doesn't need to be Jeff-control. It needs to be spirit-control. Because as a spirit-filled believer with the Spirit of God living in me, I want the Spirit of God in control of my life, not self-control. Amen? Because self-control can get you in trouble. Because depending on where you are and your walk with the Lord, there may be a whole lot of you right now calling the shots. When it's a whole lot of you in self-control, it's a whole lot of flesh in self-control. And that sometimes can be ugly. So I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. We've got all these scriptures. We're going to pop them up on the board. If you want to follow, you're welcome to do that. Galatians chapter 5. It's the main text that we've looked at. Follow, me, follow with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have been crucified to the sinful nature and its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, 
Let us keep in step with the Spirit. I want you to go to Proverbs. I want to show you a real cool proverb. Proverbs is called the wisdom chapter. Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man without self-control. If your walls are broken down in a city, it is open season. There's no, nothing that can stop you. And when a man has no self-control in his life, it's open season. It can run rampant all over the place, okay? Rampant. As, as believers, if there's been a time in your life that you have given your life to Christ and you have been born again, if you've been born again, the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, then you possess, because of that, the spirit of self-control. When it's under self-control, it's under self, but we want it under spirit-control so that it's God calling the shots and not us. Because we, we war against the flesh on a daily basis, on an hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute basis. But we, if we keep in step with the Spirit, if we walk in the Spirit, if we've been led by the Spirit, then we are Spirit-controlled individuals. And our areas that we need self-control in, the Spirit takes over and produces a great fruit for us. But if we are doing it, chances are fruit isn't where it needs to be. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 15. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to jump at some scripture here. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, we all know this text very well. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. He said, well, Jeff, my problem in self-control is all the people I hang out with. Okay? Well, that's okay. Listen to me. If it's their fault, your self-control is not where it needs to be, then guess what? You need new company. You need new company. You, so, so 2 Corinthians, flip over a little bit, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So if you are a new creation uh, in Christ, you are a new creation. That means I am no longer myself anymore. I still take up this bodily form. I still look like Jeff, but I'm not Jeff. I'm a new creation because I have the Holy Spirit living in me, okay? So I no longer have to be misled in self-control and have bad company. I can be led in a new spirit to new company. I meet people all the time that give their life to Christ, but they, their friends never change, and they go right back into the same old habits. And they tell me, well, if, if, if I don't have these people to hang out with, I have nobody to hang out with. Listen to me, you have got to come to a point in your life where you trust God enough that you can cut the things out of your life that are not helping you be like Christ and trust God that he will bring into your life the things that will help you be like Christ. If you 
continue to put those kind of things in your life, they will make you unproductive, and we'll look at it in just a little bit, okay? 2 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has seized you except which is common to man, but God is faithful that when you're tempted, he will provide a way out. I used to tell teenagers all the time, listen to me, when you are dating and you recognize a situation that is not right, you can't hover. You have got to get the fat out. God is faithful. He has provided a way out. Now you have got to be under spirit control, not self-control, because self-control will hover. But spirit control, when you sense that, you've got to get the fat out. Same thing in life, in all areas of our life. Listen to me. If you think for any minute that the enemy wants you to get up in the morning, to make a cup of coffee, to spend time in God's word, and to spend time in prayer, you're crazy. There's, I mean, seriously, do we really think the enemy wants us to do that? No way. So what is he going to do? He is going to produce scenarios in your life to make that not happen. And if he's effective once, he will repeat again. And he'll do it 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 again. Why? Because if he can keep you out of here, out of here, you will be less productive for the kingdom. You will be very productive for the enemy. The enemy does not want you to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Because when you spend time in the presence of the Lord, you begin to look like the Lord. You begin to manifest in his spirit. You begin to produce the fruit of the spirit in all areas of your life. The enemy will set your morning up so you do not jump into the word. Do not. The first thing you'll do when you get up, you say, well, I want to spend time in the Word. The first thing you'll do, your phone will go off. There'll be somebody that likes something you posted the night before on Facebook, and you can't wait to see who did it and what they had to say to you. And as soon as you click on that, then it just spreads into Pinterest. It spreads into here. It spreads into there. And before long, 35 minutes later, you look up, and it's, oh, my gosh, i got to hurry up, throw my makeup on it, got to throw my clothes on I'm going to be late to work. Boom. Where was that thought when your feet hit the ground to spend time in the Word? It was there. You had good intentions, but the enemy came in and just sucked it away. And that's what he does. He does not want you to spend time in that. No temptation has seized you except which is common to man. You can, you can, you can spend time in the Lord. You can spend time in the Word. You can spend time in prayer if you've got to have self-control. But self-control sometimes, remember, self-control means Jeff control. You can put your name there. You want to be spirit control. The Spirit has no problem spending time with the Lord, okay? When you go to James, some of y'all are like, I knew he was going to go to James because James has got that verse in there that talks about our tongue. And you can't talk about self-control unless you get over there to James. And James is written to Christians. Yes, it is. And so James is going to talk about tongue, and all of us have tongue problems, all right? We all have tongue problems. If you want to talk about self-control and you want to name an area that self-control gets you in trouble, the number one object on your body that gets you in trouble with self-control is a tongue. It's your tongue. You say, yep, I was doing just fine preaching until you started going there, and now you're in my kitchen messing with my stuff, and I don't like you. Should have stayed on sabbatical, all right? So look at James chapter 3, verse 7. James 3, 7. 
all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man, and put a box around no man, no man, no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now you say that again. It is restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers, this should not be. Listen to me. There is absolutely no way you can control your tongue. There's no way. I know people who have constantly, with good intentions, said, I've got to get a better handle on my tongue. Have you ever tried to handle your tongue? It's very difficult. You can't. You have got to take your tongue, okay, not literally, but you've got to take your tongue, and you've got to lay that tongue at the altar. You've got to cast that tongue on the creator of the tongue. You've got to surrender your tongue to the maker of the tongue. You said, I say, God, I cannot stop belittling people with my tongue. I can't stop griping. I can't stop gossiping. I can't stop just meddling and stuff. My tongue is out of control. And you've got to give that tongue to the creator. Listen to me. God will have no problem at all taking care of your tongue. He made it. But see, the problem is, when we give our lives to Christ, it says that we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That all of us have been saved. For some of us, we get saved, but we want to take our tongue back. You can't take parts of your body back after salvation. You are totally saved or none saved. That means if you're saved, that tongue is under ownership. That tongue is owned by the one who died for the tongue. The problem is we're not laying our tongue down. We're just trying under self-control to take better care of our tongue. You can't control it. If you could, you would have controlled it beforehand. But now you're 35, 40, 65, 91, and your tongue is still out of control. You've got to give the tongue back to the one who gave the tongue to you. Amen? You didn't make your tongue. If you didn't make your tongue, how are you going to control your tongue? Some of you can't control your cars you drive, much less your tongue. Give your tongue to the king, all right? Give it to the king. Jesus has never had a problem with gossip. He's never had a problem belittling his creation. God will never, ever stab you in the back with your own tongue. If you have a problem with your tongue, quit trying to do it on your own. Give up your tongue. Too many people have too much confidence in them and not enough in God. They say, well, I'm going to have a quiet time all week, and then I can do it. No. You could have a quiet time from now until Jesus comes back, and your tongue's still going to run rapid. You've got to surrender your tongue to the Lord. Let me ask a question this morning. Where do you, where do you need self-control today? Where do you need self-control today? Is it the tongue? I don't know. Where do you need self-control today? Look back a little bit, James 1. James 1, 5. 
If anyone, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. If you lack control, if you lack self-control, have you tried asking the Father for self-control? See, many times we have not because we ask not. We, we'll tell other people that we have trouble with self-control. Hey, I'm not good. I need, I need some help in areas of self-control, okay? But we never ask the Father. God, I need your help in the area of self-control. I, I know I've, I've tried a lot of different things, and I've went to a lot of different people, and I'm sorry that you're the 61st person that I've come to because oh, the other 60s, they didn't help me. But I need you to help me. And I'm asking, Father, that you will give me a spirit of control. Not of self-control, because I'm not good. I need a spirit of control in my life. There are areas that I need you, and I'm asking you to give me self-control. Where do you need self-control today? Where? What area of your life? I'm not going to pick on a bunch of them. That's just rude to do as a pastor. Because I know some pastors that, that will name them, and I'm like, hmm, you're naming some good ones, <laughs> but remember there's a mirror. And I'm not going to start naming areas of self-control because I understand something. I'm, I'm just like you. I'm under the same mirror. God's mirror is the word of God. And when I'm in the mirror of self-control, God reflects that back to me. What areas of just life do I need self-control? What areas of your life do you need self-control today? Are you asking? Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed any longer to what? The pattern of this world. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then... You will be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is. His perfect will for you is to have self-control. But unless you get in his word, in the renewing of your mind, you're not going to have self-control. Because you're going to go out there and trust yourself and say, I can do all this. I can trust myself in self-control. And you cannot do that. You have to be under spirit control. Spirit control. The Bible says, don't get drunk with wine Okay, but be filled with the Spirit of God. It says be, self, be, be alert and self-controlled because the enemy lurks around and prowls around looking for someone to devour. Be what? Self-controlled. Be what? Drunk with wine? No. Be drunk with the Spirit. Because I'm going to say something to you. You'll have no trouble picking out someone who's drunk. And you'll have no problem picking out someone who's filled with the Spirit of God either. Listen to me, Self-control is last because it's tough. You see, you get through patience and you think, whew, made that list. But he saves self-control for the very end. Self-control is a biggie in a lot of people's lives. And we need to go over a little bit to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter doesn't last long, so you don't have to flip too far. 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 5. For this very reason, 
Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if, that's a big if, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If any of you does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sin. You have to increase these. See, there's a lot of people today that have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. But see, it's more than just gaining knowledge of the Bible. A lot of the same people that have a lot of knowledge of the Bible are not walking in the Spirit and have no self-control. The Bible says that you need all of these in increasing measure. Why? Because if you don't have these, you'll be ineffective and unproductive. What area do you need self-control? What area of your life do you need self-control? Listen to me. The same battle that you're in in other areas of your life under self-control, everybody is in a battle of self-control in some area, okay? I, I promise you, no one's subject to just getting by on that, myself included. Listen to me. The last thing the enemy wants me to do as a pastor is to spend time studying in prayer. He hates that. He hates that for you as well. We have to understand that under self-control, we have got to have the ability under self-control to understand that the enemy is trying to distract us. The enemy does not want us to be productive, doesn't want us to be effective, doesn't want us to make increase in any of these measures in our lives. He wants to shut us down. And if he can't get you in the other eight, he's going to get you in self-control. Self-control is an area that the enemy comes in and says, I'm going to wreck your life in self-control. Because if he can wreck your life in self-control, he can wreck a lot of areas of your life in self-control. We have to understand that under the Spirit of God, because we are redeemed, saved, and born again, we have the Spirit of God living in us. And if we have the Spirit of God living in us, the Spirit of God is power. And if you've got power, you've got self-control. You can have self-control in your life. But if it's your feet that get you in trouble, then you've got to surrender your feet. If it's your hands that get you in trouble, you've got to surrender your hands. If it's your eyes that get you in trouble, you've got to surrender your, hand, your eyes. If it's your tongue that gets you in trouble, you've got to surrender your tongue. And if it's your mind, you've got to surrender your mind. Whatever your area of self-control struggle is, I promise you this, that the reason it's still a struggle for you is that you're the one trying to drive the bus. You're not going to win it. You're not going to win it. You've got to surrender that. As a spirit-filled believer, the Scripture says in Galatians that we have to keep in step with the Spirit. Listen to me. Under the area of self-control, you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. Self-control will get out of bounds if you don't keep in step with the Spirit. As we move to a time of invitation, I want to ask a question that I've asked all morning. Where do you need self-control? 
Where do you need self-control? Listen to me. If you sit there this morning and say, Pastor, that was really sweet. It's good to have you back. But here's the deal. I'm good. I'm good. You may not be good, but I'm good. You're really just talking to yourself this morning. I appreciate you letting me listen. But I'm good. All areas of my life, man, all areas of self-control, I'm good. I'm good. Guess what? You just cheat yourself. You cheat yourself. You have to come clean and say, this area of my life and the area of self-control is out of bounds. It's out of bounds. You've been trying for years to control it. You've been trying to get it under control. You've been trying to hide it. The more you try to hide it, the more it squeezes out, and you're afraid somebody's going to see it, so you don't let people get close to you because you don't want them to know this about you. So you keep everybody at a distance, and you stay in your little safe world, but you don't want anybody to get close because they're going to see some areas of your life you don't want them to see. And what will they think about you? And what will they think about your kids? And what will they think about your wife? Listen to me. There is no freedom in that. You absolutely put yourself in jail and hide the keys from God. Listen to me. In the area of self-control, you've got to come clean. You've got to say, this is an area that's killing me. This area that's killing me, it's starting to kill my marriage. It's starting to kill my relationship with my kids. I've got to stop, man. I have to stop. I have to stop. I don't want any longer to be self-control. I want it to be spirit control. And today, I'm not going to walk out of these doors without laying that down. I'm not going to walk out of these doors without surrendering this area of my life. And so when you come to this altar and you lay that down, I want you to lay it down. And I want you to get up. And I do not want you to take it back to your seat. Do not. Do not. Many of us are like that guy praying. And it's kind of like fishing. He casts that prayer on God. And the more he talks, he just reels it right back in. And by the time he finishes praying, what he gave to God, he's going to reel it right back into his own lap. Listen to me. Some of you are 27, 35, 51, 68. And that area of your life is still there. See, I've avoided using the word unforgiveness. But I'm going to say something to you. Self-control. Unforgiveness is a part of self-control. You see, if you're holding some forgiveness towards people, thinking you're winning, you're not going to let them go, you think, I- I'm winning. I'm punishing them because I won't forgive them. You're not under self-control. Your, your self-control is out of bounds, my friend. Out of bounds. Out of bounds. See, unforgiveness is a cancer. And as long as you don't let it go, it can't get healed. As long as you keep it in you, you may look good on the outside, but the cancer's eating you to death inside. And it'll begin to show itself in a lot of areas of your life if you don't let it go. So if you think you've got self-control, you got it on the taps, but you got unforgiveness from way back. It could be a mom, a dad, an ex-husband. It can be your husband today. It can be your wife today. It can be kids, coaches, teachers, boss. It doesn't matter, man. But you got to let that go because when I deal with people sometimes and we get into the subjects of some areas of self-control when I get it all the way back to the root you know what got them out of bounds over here unforgiveness they got bitter and they got hard and 
cold. And they wouldn't let it go. And that trickled in the other areas of their life. And the reason this is out of bounds is because unforgiveness has manifested itself as a soil. And unforgiveness is an ugly soil to try to grow a tree out of. It don't grow trees. Stuff dies there. Dies. So this morning, if unforgiveness is a big deal for you, you say, well, I'm really good in self-control. No, you're not. Because if you're holding grudges and you're holding ought to a brother, (laughs) you're not under spirit control, my friend. You're not. You got to let that go. So this morning, as we come to a time of invitation, I'm simply asking again, where do you need self-control? That's the question on the floor for invitation. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to pray. As we pray this morning, altars open, ministry team will come forward. Where do you need self-control? Where? Please, please, for the love of Jesus, don't sit there and say, I'm good in all areas I check. No, you don't. You can't. Unless you're Jesus himself, you can't check them. You can't. What area do you need self-control? What area does your self-control need to be under spirit control? This morning, if you need to come, you come. If you need to do business right where you are, do business right where you are. But don't walk out of here if you have stuff out of bounds in the area of self-control. Don't walk out. Don't walk out. You're divinely put here for a reason. Okay? Let the Father take it away from you. Don't carry it any further. If you're looking for a church home, you can come this morning as well for whatever other decision. As we pray, you come. Father, this morning, during this invitation time, God, self-control is a hard subject. It, it, it's a subject, man. We'll ask people to come over and we'll hang out in the living room. and We might even trickle down into the kitchen, but we don't go in the bedroom. Self-control is a very personal subject. But God, there's, the enemy has got some clamps on some people in their self-control. And God, I pray that we get honest today with ourselves and we get honest with you. And God, we surrender some areas of our lives to you and we'll set free today. For the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And today, do an invitation, Father, I pray you set people free. For the name of Jesus, in Christ's name, amen. You come if you need to come.